The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. Going for the gold of the future. We need to be better. Um, this industry has to uh, really uh, embrace innovation and change, which is really hard to do when you're technically, you know, winning and, and right speeds are going up. That's U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer Angela Ruggiero, who's turned a prolific athletic career into becoming one of the most forward-thinking minds in sports tech. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Angela Ruggiero is part of a hockey dynasty in this country, meddling in four consecutive Olympic Games, including the gold in 1998. For her, though, she has always had her sights on what's next, and through her experience as a high-level athlete, she watched the tech space explode with useful and some non-useful innovation. So she decided to be at the top of that podium as well. Our guest this week is one of the greatest hockey players in American history, Angela Ruggiero, who was a four-time Olympian, a gold medalist with the United States Olympic hockey team, was on the USOC for 22 years, is a commission member on the IOC now, and is also an innovator in the sports tech space. It is an honor and a privilege, Angela, to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Graham, thanks for having me. Pleasure uh, to be on. Um, I will get into all the stuff you're doing now in a moment, but I, I did want to ask you because we've restarted sports. Um, and my favorite team's the Capitals. And at the time of this taping, I was watching them play in Toronto against Tampa Bay yesterday. I wonder, um, what, what are your thoughts on the restart of hockey and how they've kind of handled it so far? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, lucky in the sense that, uh, and by the way, I love OVT. He's one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> the, the benefit, I think, of, of restarting our league now is, is we've been able, I think, as an industry to see a few, few leagues be successful, a few leagues fail, really just look at um, best practices in terms of safety, in terms of, um, you know, ensuring that, that fans know and can understand and engage, if you will, from home, even though they're not in the stands. So um, I, I hope the NHL is learning from that, but, um, but so far, so good, obviously, in the bubble. Um, and, you know, the big question for everyone right now is, uh, is, looking at the amount of COVID cases because um, from an athlete perspective, certainly um, and safety of the player personnel and the production crews and everyone that's part of that, um, it, you know, I know that's the number one priority. Um, would you have played if you were in a situation where you were being asked whether to put yourself on the line by playing? Um, it's all like risk tolerance. Personally, if I, you know, you know, don't have preexisting conditions or, um, you know, I have an, I actually have a newborn right now, so I probably wouldn't if I were going back on the ice right now. Yeah. Um, but put myself, uh, you know, ten years ago, um, I probably would, but I would really read the fine print of the safety protocols and take more of a proactive approach to my health and 
and, and less of a, yeah, the league's got it figured out. Um, you know, this is one of those things where I think every athlete needs to um, redefine print, empower themselves, and make a judgment call on an individual basis because every, you know, this isn't a one-size-fits-all. You might um, you might have a pre-existing condition. We've seen a lot of athletes admit that and, and take a season off, or maybe they want to interact with their families or someone that is at high risk. So I probably would play, um, but I would just really want to understand how they were going to actually protect me. Um, and we've seen it done well. The NWSL, zero cases. I mean, they figured out how to do a bubble. Cheers to Lisa Baird and her first year as commissioner that possible um i just want to know the nhl is doing the same thing for me um one more thing on the state of sports and then we'll get into what you're doing um now um how do you see i know this is a long way out still but but how do you see the olympics functioning next summer if they're able to have the games i think i mean i've been saying this from day one the idea that you're going to have the largest gathering in the world uh next summer seems not very plausible to me um, I do think that the games can still go on, and I think they will. Um, I just believe there's going to be a lot of modifications, similar to how you're seeing sports being played today. So um, they're not saying this, but I believe um, I spent eight years on the IFC, years on the executive board there. I really, you know, they need to do the same thing for, and, and the city of Tokyo, to be honest, doesn't want um, spectators from all over the world potentially bringing in COVID or spreading it if there are active cases in Tokyo. So I think the games will go on. Uh, there are just going to be a lot of modifications in terms of spectators and fans and volunteers and all the extra non-essential um, people around sport. And and they can still pull it off. And I say this all the time. 99.9% of Olympic fans are at home all over the world. Yeah. And they have a, a you know, free to air you know that's sort of the the they want to have as much reach as possible and in this case that that's that's great their economic model will be impacted but not as much as some of the leagues like the mlb that really depend on in-person venues so i believe it'll happen it'll just be look very different than what we're used to like like all sports i mean listen for your experience of course is different than than really anyone else's as having participated in it but as someone who has gone worked at one and been a spectator at one the idea of not having the the people come from around the world which i think is the magic of the olympics um boy that is just just a different event but i I, i'm with you i think they just kind of have to do this the best way possible yeah and every athlete at this point you know Yes, you're training an extra year now. You're trying to, in a lot of cases, struggle to pay the bills an extra year. You're, um, you're, you know, maybe delaying your life post, you know, post Olympics, whether it's work, family, school. Um, so, you know, I think most athletes understand. They're looking at pro athletes and going, well, they're not playing in front of fans. But yeah, the the difference I think for Olympic athletes, usually your one biggest moment of your life literally uh if you play olympic sport and you don't have that you know if you're not in a sport that has a real professional league or if they do it's, it's not just the same level so that moment in time i mean i i feel you know badly for these athletes um that won't have that you know twenty thousand packed arena and uh and have that feeling of the world coming together but hopefully again you've seen some modifications the athletes understand that no, the world is still going to come together. It's going to be an amazing platform for them. And um, it's going to showcase their hard work. And uh, and you're still going to get to go on the top of the podium. 
just you have to envision that fans are going to be watching from home and that, you know, your families are going to all be back home because they probably can't travel at that point. Um, And, uh, you know, it'll be a very different time for them, but hopefully, hopefully it happens. I I listen, I like, I have a nephew just graduated high school and he didn't have a graduation, you know? So it's just, this is the world is up. The world is upside down. All these moments that, you you know, they get time stamped are just gone in a lot of ways. It's such a strange time. Um, let's talk about what you're doing now. Um, and let's, let's bridge the gap from when you were a competitor as an Olympian and an executive member of the IOC. How did that kind of shape your journey here as a founder and a CEO in getting into the sports tech space? I mean, I just saw firsthand the impact that tech was having on the athlete. Um, we're trying to understand our bodies better, prolong our careers, prevent injuries, tons of tech doing that. Very confusing market. A lot of stuff that you know, on the market that didn't really do what it said it could do. Um, on the business side, you know, billions of dollars being spent on new media platforms, new ways to uh, engage with fans, new ways to um, stay relevant in a time where, we, you know, we live in the attention economy where sports in some ways isn't as relevant. Um, diehards are dying, so to speak. So I just saw all this change in the market. I saw this change both on and off the field of play. Um, and at a global level through my work with the IOC and, and all the international federations and athletes that I represented. Um, and so I just, you know, we need to do, we need to be better. Um, this industry has to uh, really uh, embrace innovation and change, which is really hard to do when you're technically, you know, winning and, and right speeds are going up. Um, and, you know, everyone could point to the future and say things look fine, but, you know, I saw these cracks. I saw a lot of change occurring underneath that and wanted to do something about that. So started Sports Innovation Lab um, with my co-founder, Josh Walker. Um, and so what was the genesis of that? How did you guys come together to create this? Yeah, just my experience looking, again, sitting on the boards of the IOC as, as an example, the Olympic Channel, the single largest investment the IOC has ever made um, to create an OTT platform, to create a more, you know, you know, to, to talk to Olympic fans 24 seven, um, as opposed to every two years. Um, so I, I, again, had these experiences of seeing, um, change occurring and not really understanding that again in a deep way and not, and, and seeing a lot of my board members, a lot of the people across sport, um, making these big decisions without a sports innovation lab that, that new technology and Josh Walker, uh, comes from, Forrester Research. He's built several venture-backed data businesses before. So a serial entrepreneur said, what if we combine forces where you really have this deep understanding of tech and a way to simplify tech on the uh, for the property side? And I obviously understand the business of sports can help uh, translate that for the technology providers that are coming in and don't speak sports, so to speak. They yeah. have an amazing capability. So so let's let's put this together and create a, a market research strategy company that can really empower um, fans, empower properties, brands to create these breakthrough fan experiences through tech, uh, which is sort of our tagline. Just how do you embrace technology and not be scared by it? Um, sometimes it's just having a third party or, or an objective view that, that really gets it and can help you make those really important decisions. One of the, the big catchphrases that you guys use is the fluid fan. Um, what does that mean to you? What, what do you mean by that? 
The fluid fan is essentially the fan of today. Um, we know there's diehards that exist, but um, you know that diehard fan um, would, you don't necessarily have to do a lot to keep them. They're diehards for a reason. They love your brand, they, they support you through thick and thin. Um, even if you have, you know, a, uh, even if you're not giving them the greatest experience, the fluid fan demands more. They're, they're fickle. They're fluid by nature. They will come in and out depending on how well you service them. Um, and so a fluid fan is again, open to, to change. Uh, they, they are, uh, they are, um, empowered to do more through all the platforms that exist and the offering on the market. Um, and they're, they're constantly evolving. Again, you, you have one day you, they, they love you because you're providing them something and the next day they don't because you're not really allowing them to, to do what they want to do. So the so fluid fan is again, a, a term that we describe this future fan or the fan of today. Um, not just you could say millennials or Gen Z, it's, it's all of us. We're all embracing technology in new ways. Um, your grandparents might watch sports, but with their phone in their hands and they they have a second yeah. screen and they're looking up stats. So, we're just embracing sports in a new way and fluid fans are really that, that next generation that's going to demand more that is expecting more from sports properties. And, um, and, you know, we're trying to evangelize that, that, that concept to not look at fans in terms of demographics, but really their behaviors and how um, they expect to interact with properties. They just need more. And we're trying to uh, simplify that. Uh, through the lens of technology. So, so need more. I'm hoping you can expand on that a little bit. We've talked to a number of different people in and out of the industries and they talk about a variety of different things. Like we spoke to the former CEO of the Oakland A's who said season ticket holders is different, that a season ticket package looks different. It involves all sorts of incentives that are not necessarily directly tied to baseball, that the seats don't have to be in the same place every time. And we've talked to others who have discussed what the in-stadium experience should be like for the new modern fan, that it's different from, from what it was. Can you kind of expand on what you mean by servicing the new modern fan? Yeah, so if you take the media side, um, we always say fans want to do something. The old way, the diehard, it's, they just want that big screen, that passive lean-back experience. The new fan wants to lean in. Fluid fans want to engage with the content, engage with each other, come and, you know, be able to create content, share content, talk, uh, talk with their fans, maybe select their commentator, select the language, be, you know, we use Twitch as a really interesting platform that, that exists obviously in esports and they're making its way in, but why don't we have a Twitch type of platform for traditional support? So fan, fluid fans want more in terms of media on the venue. Um, we, you need, it needs to be more seamless. You're going to, you're already spending an arm and a leg to go to a, a sporting event now. And to be quite honest, if it's not hassle free, it keeps us away from the venue. So what are the, what are the ways technology can get you there quicker, safer in and out of the building, more personalized, right? So if you understand that fan, which most buildings don't, most sports fans don't, you don't even know who's in your building. Um, so a more personalized experience, um, and, and at the same time, um, you know, give them something that is memorable and shared um, because, again, these fluid fans, maybe not your diehards, are coming there to be with one another. Um, most of the time, I, I mean, I was never a baseball fan, but I love going to baseball games. 
90% of the game, I'm probably chit-chatting away, hanging out, having a beer. Like, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> make this an entertaining experience, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. I don't really care about what's going on, on you know, <laughs> who's hitting. I don't even know what inning it is. I'm here to drink, um, hang out. But hockey, I'm a diehard. I'm, yeah. don't, don't talk to me. I'm watching. So depending on the sport, too, um, and your level of, you know, on the spectrum of fluid um, fluidity on that sport, you might want something different. And so even venues are changing where it's less you're stuck in your seat. And venues are actually physically changing to have more of these open areas where you can buy a beer, hang out with your friends, hang out with your, you know, business prospects, if you will, if you're there for business and, and, and co-mingle as opposed to watch the actual content on the ice or on the field. So fluid fans again are, are evolving. The core is still sports, but you just have to think of it more in terms of entertainment yeah. and look outside of sports for that um, uh, inspiration because we're all doing things differently outside of sports. We, we expect that personalized on-demand nature for everything else in our lives and sports has to almost take a step back and say, are we doing that? Are we delivering our content in a way that, you know, meets the expectations of the, the new consumer? Who's doing this well, if you can be specific? If there's a team or a league or, or who's doing it well right now? I mean, it's, everyone says this, but it's, I think, fairly true. The NBA is, is a league we look to a lot um, here in the U.S. Um, they are obviously um, – have figured out a way. The example I love to give is, you know, the 99 cent fourth quarter offering because they said, all right, fans aren't watching the whole game. Maybe we're not getting any of their wallet and, and they're, they're just watching highlights. But what if we can give them the fourth quarter for 99 cents? And they're like taking that, the approach of what does the market actually want? What do they do? We're not giving you the same old package we're cutting up in ways we're, we're, we're empowering our athletes, right? They know one, one highlight of fluid fans is they follow athletes, not, not teams or even leagues. Um, you might be following LeBron James from team to team and getting in New Jersey every time he gets traded. Um, so they recognize that the athlete is a key part of their brand value. Um, and so encouraging and supporting those, those athletes to be brand ambassadors, to be um, very visible. And you look at their following as just an indicator, you know, relative to the NBA that, that athletes really are, are carrying that, that torch. So the NBA is a really good example because they're, um, they, they understand they're trying to get more data today. Again, this personalized view in the future, you're going to know your fan. You should know your fan, just like any brand should know their consumer. And data really is the future um, to creating a more personalized experience. So um, you know, I, I believe the NBA is well on that on that path as well. You know, it, it's really interesting, like how things have changed. Like clearly, for what you did in your past, wearing the American flag across your chest, I think that there's still this connection to that for all Americans to watch that, root mm-hmm. for that, be in the same boat with that. But I hear what you're saying about the leagues themselves that they're just professional sports. It appears, and and maybe you know more about this, but it does appear that there is less of this strict devotion to specific teams, but more devotion to sport, some of the people within it, that that's more flexible, that that people aren't the, as we like to say in the industry, the P1 fan of that particular thing. They may be a P1 fan of the sport now differently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, we're we take the approach to, um, to riff on that looking look at terms of fan behavior so every league we keep saying shouldn't be looking at fans in terms of demographics um because you can't personal 
experience just based on the demographic. You know, every 18 to 34 year old male is, isn't the same. Um, you have to look at it in terms of behavior. So what is, what is that league trying to do? Is there a league out there that's going to be the expert in sports betting? And what are the technologies you should partner with, um, acquire, et cetera, to really allow your fans in that sport to do that thing really well or to, to share? Maybe there's a sport where they want to really lean into sharing content or teaching those fans about the sport. Um, so we're really looking at like consumer behavior against fan behavior is, is what should drive, um, should drive these leagues to really, again, engage with their fans because engagement means nothing and everything. So we're trying to break that nomenclature apart and really focus um, the industry to think about their fans, their consumer in terms of fan behaviors. And that I think is the future too. Um, but it's, it's hard to do. I mean, we're, it's like turning a massive ship uh, because again, this industry has traditionally been lucky because we've had content, we've had live content, rights fees are going up, valuations are going up, every, everything looks rosy and then COVID hits and suddenly we're like, uh-oh, we're competing with other, you know, other forms of entertainment. We can't get fans in the stands. How do we, how do, we do this better um, in a time where we need the revenue? You know, it's funny, like the more I, I've talked to you and others in this, it, the data on the fans themselves seems to have become very eye-opening to people, that there was a two-dimensional view of what the fan was for a very long time, that the, really the only thing you knew about them was they liked your team or they liked your league. Uh, it sounds like mm-hmm. what people are finding out is we're humans and we like a lot of different things and <laughs> the, <Totally. laughs> and we're the leagues and they're going, wait a minute, you know, shouldn't we be yeah. trying to find a way to incorporate what we do with all of these other things and make it a lifestyle? Yeah. It's you, you said it perfectly. It traditionally it was binary. You're a fan or you're not, you're a diehard fan or you're not. Now it's fluid again, fluid fandom. We are people. We have a spectrum. We don't define this new age. Uh, you know, person doesn't define themselves in a binary way. So we're we're like, oh yeah, I'm Angela's a diehard fan of hockey, very casual fan with baseball. You're gonna have to do a lot more to get her to open her wallet to you, but it's possible. Or maybe this hot new drone racing league, you know, pops up and you know, I, oh, I'm open it because I found it on a new platform and they were talking. You know, so I think that's the point. You said it perfectly. We're people with different the levels of interest and uh, to, in order to engage and continue to grow that pie, you have to really understand that, yes, some are going to show up no matter what, those are your diehards. Some are going to be somewhere in the middle. You're going to have to do a little bit more to keep them engaged given this attention economy and all the, you know, entertainment offerings out there. And then there's going to be a really casual fan that that's on the other end of the spectrum. But if you give them the right offering, you allow them to really be creators if they like to create. I mean, huh. Boom, you have, you're opening your market up. So uh, there's just a lot more out there. And to compete with with it, again, food fans demand more. And that's what we've been advocating in the industry. And, and we believe, by the way, technology is that path forward. That's why, again, it all comes back to creating these, these new breakthrough experiences through tech. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just open up the racks and we'll show up. You got to really figure out what's going to drive um, your business. I could do this for hours, but I don't want to take up any more of your time, Angela. Thank you so much for joining us. Angela Ruggiero is the co-founder and CEO of the Sports Innovation Lab. She is a four-time Olympian, a gold medalist, and a Hockey Hall of Famer. Thank you so much for joining us, Angela.
Thanks, Bram. Good luck the rest of the way. Keep, keep, keep it up. On the next Future Sport Podcast, preparing for the fans to return to the games, Olympic or not. We ship to our logistical network, which you can track that kit all the way to your door. Uh, when the kit comes into your home, you can do a telehealth consultation through your mobile application and engage with our clinical team. That's Peter Foley, founder and CEO of Let's Get Checked, who's hoping to streamline the testing process for COVID-19 so everyone can get life back to normal. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.